Hello, I am Danielle, your host here at the Crying in My Cheesecake podcast. And I would like to welcome you to this episode um, discussing rest with my friend, Laura Dingman. You will find all of her information in the show notes at the bottom. But I wanted to share with you and just kind of introduce to you this episode. I met Laura back in, I believe, like 2012-ish, 11, formally. But before that, she was the, the worship director at my church. And so I obviously like knew her presence, but I did not get to know her until one time she invited me out to have Mexican food. And I have been in love with her love and desire to meet people in the dirt and teach them how to build from the inside out, from the bottom up, a discipline, a spiritual discipline of rest and and other things. But she is so good about spiritual direction and helping people in the mess, teaching them, you know, the basics. Laura is a an author, a Bible study author, and she has a couple of studies out that I would really everybody should do. The first one is called I Am Found, Quitting the Game of Hide and Seek with God and with Others. And in this book, it's just phenomenal about being known. The whole idea of being known and not having to be in the secret place with with no one understanding you. So that one is really good. The other one is called This I Know, Trusting your unknown future to a known God. And hello, tell me we don't need this kind of process and this kind of study right now in 2021. So if you have not chosen your study, I highly recommend you going to her website at lauradingman.com and checking out these studies. The other one that she has on her website is probably my favorite. It actually changed my life. It's called Life Rhythms, Learning to Live in in God-Centered Time. Now, this book, I cannot even express to you just how how changing it was for me because I learned she walks you through what God's rhythms are. We talk or she talks about Kairos time and chronological or chronos time. And when those two collide, it just oh, it was so mind changing or mind shift changing for me. And this is what taught me the rhythm of rest. So this is why I wanted to talk about rest with her, the nearly the expert on rest and what should what it should look like and so forth as a spiritual discipline. But I also wanted to talk about it because we have been in so much stress for a whole year. Now, I believe this was recorded in October of 2020. Yes, I'm just now getting to editing it. Again, sorry for my delay, but I want to just uh, have you understand that the spiritual discipline of rest is not an accident. It is not something that, oh, we should do, or it must be nice that you can rest or anything like that. It is actually something we are called to do because that's how our bodies were made. Our bodies were made to have a reset and a shift. And so Laura and I attempt to create this connection between the spirit and the wellness of the body, and then how to apply that to your life and how to just start and try something small. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you, Laura, for joining me today in this discussion of rest, because back in, I think it was this summer, I was convicted, um, especially after having surgery, in the verse of Isaiah 30, 15. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One, if Israel in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. 
and learning in that verse that repentance then goes hand in hand with rest. I was convicted of that because I started thinking about, you know, this COVID season. Homeschool, everything paused and thus my calendar opened. But instead of just like immediately leaning into that openness of rest, I started feeling the calendar again. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) And then I was forced, um, and then I had a major pelvic floor reconstruction in July. And my calendar literally had to stop. And that is when I was convicted of of this verse because what on earth was I doing? Why could I not sit still? Why could I not be still mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically without feeling anxiety and all this stuff? What do you think has caused us to go to the space of constantly doing? Well, I think there are... I think there are a lot of things, Danielle, and I'm grateful. Thank you for inviting me to have this conversation. I know it's one that has been for me years in years in practice and in discovery, trial and error. <laughs> you know, there have been a lot of things that I have learned, but I think the biggest thing is that, um, you know, rest comes in a lot of different forms and we have to kind of start first with which kind of rest is maybe the one that is the most needed, you know, sometimes it's just physical rest. Like we just need to sleep. We need to sit down and sleep. Our bodies are tired. Sometimes it's mental rest. Like there have just been too many thoughts and our minds can't stop. Sometimes it's emotional rest because of what we're carrying emotionally or the things we've experienced. And, um, you know, and sometimes it's spiritual rest. If we've been in a season of just hardship or warfare and so because we're holistic beings, our rest has to come in a holistic way as well. And I think the reason sometimes we can't sit still is a lot of times tied to what we may find if we stop. Sometimes it is our, our un, un, sometimes it's an unwillingness. I mean, if you read the rest of the verse that you said, it said that you would have none of it. Yeah. Um, you know, that God offers this rest to us um, and in the gift of I mean, it comes in the gift of Sabbath. It comes in the gift of grace. It, um, you know, comes in the gift of even us sleeping and slumbering and God not having to do that. Yep. So I think there are several different, you know, things. Sometimes it's just we like to be in control of our scenario. And so if we are not controlling the scenario, then who is? Yep. Um, sometimes our doing is tied to our being and we live more in our doing than our being. And so if we stop doing, then we're kind of faced with this question of who are we really? And, um, you know, if our identity is tied to our productivity, um, and, and I'm not even just talking about tasks, I'm talking about like, if I quit meeting with certain people, or if I, um, you know, have a clear spot on my calendar, um, how will I appear to others? Or, uh, you know, what will I be left with in my in my identity. So I think there are, uh, there are a lot of, of things that are tied to our inability to sit still or our inability to rest. We're also in a culture that is a culture of productivity. Um, you you know, our, the American culture that we live in is so productivity based. And, you know, if you sit still for too long, then, you know, the word that comes to mind is lazy. So, um, you know, we have, and depending on what, scripts and stories play in our minds from, you know, our family of origin or from our experiences in life, then, you know, that can, that can be a really loud voice as well. So I think there are a lot of things. (laughs) Yeah. 
And I know for me, um, you know, multitasking or like you said, you know, just overworking or being productive. um, I always feel like if I'm doing, if I'm not producing something, then I'm not doing something. I'm not showing what I've learned or what God's doing in me and through me. I'm not um, like, Mm -hmm. it's almost productivity or creation of something to me is always like this. Oh, it's a summary of what I'm doing or summary of what I'm learning. And if I don't show a summary, then nobody knows. Mm-hmm. And then like you go yeah. back, you know, who am I trying to please? That's right. this whole thing. Who am I trying to please? And yes, it's, it's, it goes back to family of origin. Yes. And it goes back to our circumstances and just learn behaviors and things. And, um, you know, as the reason why I wanted to really talk about rest is because, you know, as a nutrition counselor, a lot of my clients struggle with stress management. That's one of my big, mm-hmm. proto- like one of my big pieces, like a big rock that we talk about, you know, how are we yeah. going to manage our stress? Well, you know, vegging out and watching Netflix may not be the best form of resting um, and may not be where the actual rest is needed. You know, as we get older and as we age, especially as females that have, you know, both progesterone and estrogen or progesterone and estrogen, um, progesterone is like our calming. um, It's kind of like our Xanax hormone. And Mm -hmm. a lot of women either um, don't have um, constant regulation of their hormones. So it's not like the seesaw balance kind of thing going on. Uh, so as we get older and we go through perimenopause and menopause, that's when our hormones start to, you know, to cease. And that is when we don't have the automatic in, innate nature of just calming ourselves down. So this idea of rest, you know, post menopause is really hard because we have not been taught from early on, you know, a lot of us throw our kids in so many activities after school. So as soon as the, you know, we're in school and things, we're already active and we're constantly busy. We don't know what rest looks like. We don't know what that feels like. We don't know how to self-regulate either. So when we get to post-menopause and we don't have any hormonal support, really, we're kind of left with, oh, what do I do? I wanted to talk about too, like what are some, what are some ways or, or first of all, let's talk about what are some of the underlying reasons that we can't rest? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that you, um, I think you touched on it a little bit of this, you know, I think it comes down to identity. I think there's a huge, um, you know, if we're working working to earn something or we're working to show something or there's something in us that needs, um, that needs that. So for example, like if there is, um, you know, if there is a a people pleasing nature in us, if there is a desire for power and control over our situation, or if there is just this need to keep all of our ducks in a row so that we'll be safe and secure. <laughs> like if, which I think everyone can relate to at least one of those, if not all three of them, yeah. because these are basic needs that we have. Um, but I think it comes back to, you know, what, how, where is it that we're finding um, that? Are we finding our identity um, in Christ? Are we coming back to him on a regular basis? As, uh, you know, and setting that, ha- allowing his presence, his word, his voice to be the one that speaks over us, um, our identity. And from that place of, of knowing that we actually do, um, that we, and that from that place of acceptance that we actually then choose to do. And we and I think what we actually end up choosing to do is probably different yeah. when we're resting in our identity in Christ and, 
I think that there is just a, there's a restful space. And um, I know I've shared this with you before, um, but years ago, my mentor, um, I, I mean, I had experienced a real season of burnout. And this is a, this is a topic that is um, near and dear to my heart, mostly because I've had to learn it the hard way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I grew up, grew up on a farm and our, you know, the work ethic in our home was just really high. And so, I mean, it was just a constant, we were constantly doing things. And so that was just in, ingrained in me. And I carried that into adulthood and really had an addiction to work almost like an overwork and found myself um, really experiencing burnout several, uh, probably a little over a decade ago. And um, I remember sitting with a mentor of mine um, who is now my spiritual director. And she was telling me, like, she just went back to the story of creation. And it was actually like, I remember thinking when she was telling me the story, because um, she had you, she was using these like painted blocks like a children's and told it to me like a children's story mm-hmm. and I remember being really irritated like <laughs> why are we why are we doing this this is so ridiculous and mostly because I couldn't slow down long enough to just be present for it and I um you know she walked through the whole creation story you know and I you know I'm listening to the rhythm of it I'm listening to you know, God saw all that he had made and it was good and there was evening and morning, you know, the first day, the second day, like we went through the whole thing and yeah. we got done. And she said, what did you notice? And I said, it, it was good. I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, and so she pointed out two things to me. Um, she pointed out the rhythm of the day, which began with evening and ended with morning, you know, there was evening and morning. And then um, she also pointed out that men and women were made on day six. Mm-hmm. And that their first full day of life, God invited them into rest. Yeah. So uh, we don't know, you know, what time of day they were, they were created on day six. But I mean, there were a lot of other things created. And whether or not you believe in a 24-hour, you know, cre- that's not the point. The point yep. is not that. The point is that the first day, the first ordered day that they are invited into rest with God, which meant that they did not have to do anything but be in God's presence. There was no working, which is a rhythm of grace. And so God's rhythm was work six days, rest the seventh, and man's rhythm was work one day or rest one day and then work six. And I think, and work was still a part of the rhythm. Like Eden, they were charged with caring for the garden. So work was a part of creation. Yeah. But it was broken when man and woman tried to be like God. And I think this is what happens when we try, like we try to have infinite, um, like we are limited creatures. We are finite creatures, which means we cannot go without sleep without, I mean, there are all kinds of studies, you know, on what happens in the brain when you go, you know, when your adrenaline is constantly kicked in and how it leads to insomnia and, you know, days and days of not sleeping and just it wrecks, it wrecks your whole body. And our bodies are made for the rhythm of sleeping and the rhythm of resting. And if we don't honor those limitations and live within those, those constraints um, that God has provided for our good, then, you know, then it becomes a really difficult place for us. And can be really dangerous overall. 
So I'm curious, could you talk some more about this idea? You know, you said men were, or man was created, people were created, and then the, they got to enter into rest. Like that was their first full day that they got to enter into. Like that was their yeah. quote unquote job or just presence, yeah. like yeah. being in the presence of God. And you know, something I really love about, this is sidetracked for a minute, but something I really love is that they were in the literal presence of God. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, when, even after they did what they did and ate the, ate the fruit and all of mm-hmm. that, they knew God by his dang footsteps, how mm-hmm. freaking intimate, that's probably not appropriate, yeah. how intimate is yeah. that, that they know God by the sound of his footprint, like his footsteps. Yeah. So yeah. they got to enter into that kind of presence and that kind of rest immediately. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How can we practically experience that mm-hmm. in our lives? Yeah. Well, I think that it's certainly, I think God still desires that intimacy with us. Um, and that is still available. And fortunately for us, you know, we don't have the tangible presence of God and we can't hear his footsteps, but Christ dwells in us as we've chosen to have relationship with him. So, you know, the spirit is here and what, what it takes for us, I think is just dulling all the other noise and, you know, being okay with the first, I mean, I remember the first time that I did, um, centering prayer, which is essentially, it's kind of, it's like Christian meditation, right? Where you're just, you're not emptying your mind, but you're listening for the spirit and you're just being quiet without your own words. Yeah. Um, because I, a lot of times I, when I pray, I have a lot to say to God. And yep. sometimes I think he's like, Shh, can I, can I, can I say something? <laughs> and, um, you know, so practicing just quiet and silence and stillness before God. And I remember like the first time I tried to do like five minutes and my whole, cause you can, your body can be still, but everything else in you yeah. is going a hundred miles an hour. And I think it just takes, it takes some practice. And I do think it, you mentioned, you know, that some of your clients will talk about, you know, vegging on Netflix and, you know, while you're working on, um, on nourishment for the body, there is a connection between how we feel nourished in our souls and what we put in our bodies. So if we truly feel nourished by the inputs that we are receiving, whether it's relationally, whether it's spiritually, mentally, the things that truly nourish our souls will actually keep us from turning to food in a way that isn't meant to nourish us. And so if we're like, I doubt, I highly doubt that binge watching Netflix is actually nourishing to the soul. (laughs) Yep. I doubt that hours of scrolling social media is especially right now is actually nourishing to our souls. Right. And so our stillness has to do with how well nourished we are. And can we, you know, and and a piece of that, like those inputs of, you know, spending time in the word, spending time in prayer, spending time listening, spending time with trusted friends who fill us up, spending time in conversations that are, you know, not charged by anger and rage, (laughs) you know, or, you know, just spending time in the places that that actually meet a need that is deep in us. And those kinds of things will actually bring a stillness within us because it's, we feel satiated. Yeah. And that is an important, I think those are those inputs and outputs are very important. 
I agree. And I also think, you know, something you said just kind of reminded me that when we are overstressed and overwhelmed, overworked, we don't feel excited about anything. We don't have a zeal for life. We don't feel like they're, and I'm using the word feel, but we don't have motivation, which I know is a feeling and emotion that's fleeting, but wouldn't it be nice to have this consistent um, zeal for life? Mm-hmm. And then that keeps yeah. us motivated to keep doing what it, like what you said is to go to those inputs that matter. Yeah. And, um, something, something you said also, you know, like if we don't feel excited about things, but it's almost like, at least like when you said social media and some of the shows that we watch, they're incited, like the feelings are rage, anger, and all these mm-hmm. like almost negative feelings in a way. And yeah. anger we know is caused by hurt, caused by frustration Mm -hmm. and, you know, some, you know, other kinds of like maybe abuse or things of, of, of us. So how does rest help to prevent us or help us not prevent, help us handle hurts and stress and maybe like Mm -hmm. tumultuous experiences or circumstances we're, we're in? Yeah. So I think one of the things about rest is that it is a reminder that God is God and we are not. Um, I mean, that is the, like when we, when we rest, what we actually are doing is we're saying to God, you are, I mean, so when you, when you think about the discipline of sleep, right, because it actually can be a spiritual practice to lay your head down and to say to God, I trust you to run the world for the next six to eight hours. Like I, I trust that, that whatever is undone from the day that it will, it will hold for this long. I trust that you will keep the, you know, you will keep the sun moving. You will keep the world turning. You will keep the people, you will keep watch over the people that I cannot be with right now as I, and I mean, honestly, we're putting ourselves in a really vulnerable position by closing our eyes and, you know, becoming unconscious for eight hours, you know? So there is, there is a, when we see it that way and we understand like, this is me letting go of control of the world of my world. Cause all of us are trying to control something. Yeah. Um, you know, even if it's a tiny little piece, tiny little corner of, of the atmosphere. Um, and so I think there is something in rest that realigns the order of creation that I, I am created and God is the creator. And he is the one who is whole. I mean, Colossians talks about how Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And in him, all things hold together. And so he's the one that is making the world turn and, you know, orchestrating things and keeping, sustaining life and, um, and, and creating life. And so when we rest, we actually remind ourselves of that. And when we're awake and resting and choosing stillness, then what we actually are doing is consciously reminding ourselves of that too. Oh, I um, love that. Our, I love that. Our, because, because we don't have to be creating and, you know, it's, there is, God will still be God. And yeah. we need to be reminded of that because that's what got us, that's what got us in the mess of broken Eden to begin with was the man and woman, Adam and Eve, choosing, choosing on their own to be like God. And so if we, if we try to be like God, we're going to, it's not going to work because we're not built for it. I'm not built to hold the world together. I can't do it. 
(laughs) you know, but God can. And so as I let go of control in my own world, it enables me to rest and it brings peace. And and God is the only one who can bring shalom, right? This restored order to the world. And, and I know right now in this season, um, it is particularly difficult. Um, I'm, I'm on staff at our church and I, um, and in on the I lead the care and spiritual direction team, and so essentially I'm watching people's lives blow up and fall apart. And yeah. you know this COVID season has been so interesting because for some during quarantine everything stopped. They literally were at home, um, you know, not going anywhere, not leaving their houses. But then also for some during quarantine, their jobs actually up were ramped up. You know, if they were in the healthcare field or um, essential workers, I mean, they were working at an unsustainable pace. So even yeah. our lives were, you know, began to be polarized in quarantine. Um, you know, so there were the, was this space where right now, um, you know, for some, they haven't rested for <laughs> for months and months because they their work hasn't even stopped. Yeah. And, you know, for others of us, we desired this kind of slower pace that we were in in quarantine. But then when things started opening up, you know, there was just this sort of return to what was before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're all a little disoriented from it, Absolutely. too, you know. Yeah. And so there was something you said just a minute ago, but I want to touch on this, that what would you say to a family such as myself that is a military Mm -hmm. family and retired military family still working with the military and we've been ingrained with this idea. And even as a child Mm -hmm. with a, you know, as a daughter of a cop, it's always been service above self. Yeah. How do we um, honor service above self, but also practice Mm -hmm. from rest or serve from rest. Yeah. Well, I think there is, um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is the, is the oxygen mask principle, right? If you're on an airplane, um, and they go through the hole, which, you know, maybe you won't be on an airplane for a while, who knows, but if you've been on an airplane, you know, that they'll go through the hole, you know, it's, the cabin pressure decreases and the oxygen mask comes down, you know, how to put it on your mouth, your face and mouth. But if you have young children with you, put yours on first and then attend to the children. And this is, you know, in the, when they're saying it, you're like, well, okay. But in the moment, I think a lot of times what we end up doing is we forget, we forget to take care of ourselves first before we turn to the children. And, you know, we're serving, but also like if we pass out, we can't help anyone. Right. And I think that we sometimes, you know, there can be a hero complex in this where um, I have to be the person who's doing the serving. Mm. If I don't serve, no one else will serve. And as far as I have known, there has been only one savior of the world and it was Jesus and not me. And, you know, that, that I, and I think the the interesting thing, so here's a, here's a great example, and this may help. I don't know. Um, Our family started actually practicing Sabbath um, about a little over a year ago. So Last the beginning of last September um, in 2019, we decided we were going to set aside one day a week where we were going to practice Sabbath. And you know we're real loose about it. And we uh, kind of our rule is we just don't do any shoulds. 
So if, you know, something comes up and I'm like, oh, I should clean out that drawer. I, I don't do it because on Sabbath. Um, and we try to keep our schedules open. We sleep, we take naps, we eat really great food. Um, you know, we, we spend time playing games or enjoying one another. And what it did, I was surprised at what it did to the other six days because what it actually did was I started to show up and actually work Mm. differently on the other six days than I did on, you know, because I think the rest of the time, Within me, there was a feeling of scarcity. You know, I'm not going to have enough time. I'm not going to have enough rest. I don't have enough to give. And so in the moments when I was working and I was serving, I felt felt more selfish because it felt scarce. Like I'm not going to have enough Uh energy or I'm not going to have enough rest. And when we started that rhythm and, you know, we haven't done it faithfully every week, but on the weeks that we haven't, I noticed that scarcity is creeping in and my posture of selfishness coming back and trying to hoard it for myself. And what I found that when I actually rest well, Sabbath lasts for seven full days. And I actually, I know it's coming again. Like I know that it will be here and, you know, like right now it's going to be here in two more days because we're talking on a Thursday. Like, so like, I already know that. So today my day is full of pouring out. And, you know, there's a time tonight when it will stop and I cease and I will rest. And, you know, so finding those rhythms where we're not just trying to get like a little nibble here and a little nibble there, but where there is space for us to really be renewed. And, um, you know, and I think that has actually helped me have an interior posture of giving um, and abundance versus, um, you know, versus trying to hoard and feel scarcity and be, you know, self-reference in my service. Yeah. So I think, you know, there's a, there's a place of rest where too, we are reminded, you know, one of the reasons that God instituted Sabbath for Israel was so they would be reminded of who they are and what kind of covenant relationship they're in with God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the reordering of creation. It's this is who the kind of people I've called you to be. And so it's kind of like a re- a weekly reset, you know, yeah. um, this is who I am and this is where I want to operate from. It's from this posture um, of my identity being rooted and grounded in love. Um, okay. So, And it sounds like you are, the way that you just described that, this idea of working from rest, like where we start with rest and mm-hmm. then you work and how, you know, um, you're essentially cultivating yourself. You're cultivating mm-hmm. the stuff, this, the matter that matters inside mm-hmm. And yeah. you're, you're doing, you know, you're looking at your schedule and I love that shoulds, the shoulds, because that, mm-hmm. and like how I refer to that is stuff that is good, but maybe not good right now. And I like right, how, exactly. you know, some of us think about good, but good, not right, not right now in the season and like seasons or yeah. you know, big things, but you're mm-hmm. talking about in the moment, like in a day, a day, yeah. actual Sabbath rest. And I love that. Yeah. Um, I also love how you went into this idea, which I was hoping to talk about this idea of scarcity and how scarcity does mm-hmm. produce selfishness. And, and then the mm-hmm. fact that you were like, you know, I don't want to nibble or a bite here, a bite there, but I want to experience life. I want to experience life to the fullest. I want to yeah. you know, see these people in my home that matter that, you know, that while we have these gifts, all these things start in the heart. And I'm yeah. always wondering 
if that scarcity, if we, if we start to feel scarcity, if we start to feel like, oh, I can only do a little bit here, a little bit there, and my time and my energy is so scarce, if that is where we try to control, and if mm-hmm. control then leads us into addictions. And I know that most people think of addictions as like just alcohol and drugs and, and sex and all these other things. But there's also other addictions of like people pleasing and perfectionism and food oh, yeah. and all these others. And even an addiction to, you know, love, an addiction to service, like all these different mm-hmm. kinds of things are workaholics. You know, we call them workaholics. But I'm wondering if that is why we become that because then we start to feel if that underlying issue is scarcity and selfishness and then we're that way because we are not resting. Yeah. Well, and I think resting really comes back to who, I mean, it really it just continues to come back to who we are. And, um, you know, I mean, scarcity is this mindset of there will not be enough and, um, there, there won't be enough. And the, you know, the, the opposite of that is abundance. And, and I don't mean abundance of like, you're going to have like all kinds of money, you know, (laughs) or all kinds of things, but it, it is an interior posture. And if we believe that God is withholding from us, um, and not a giver, which all I see in scripture is that God is extravagantly generous. I mean, there is like, I mean, it's just, he just pours out and pours out and pours out. And sometimes we think of generosity in terms of money or provision, yeah. um, you know, mon- monetary or material p- provision. Mm-hmm. And, um, but God is just, he's generous and lavish with his grace, with his invitation for us to be his children and to graft us into sonship and as sons and daughters, like that, that alone in that in and of itself is a generosity that I just can't even wrap my mind around sometimes. And I think that when we think about God, again, in the created order of things, like God is in control of everything. And if we've stripped it down to our basic needs, I doubt that we would say there is anything that we really need that God will not provide. And, um, you know, I think a lot of times our culture is, can be bent toward entitlement or maybe even bent toward, you know, I want, I want this specific outcome or this specific. And a lot of times we try to create those things because we don't want to experience pain or suffering, um, which, you know, isn't the way of Jesus. I mean, this is, I mean, I, this week I was reading, um, the, exchange in Gethsemane between Jesus and the father and just this, you know, he knew what suffering was coming and begged God, is there any other way, if there's any other way um, for this to be done, can we please do it? But also I will enter into the suffering if it is your will, knowing full well that that was God's will. Um, But watching Jesus even wrestle with surrendering and going into that space. And I think there is, you know, we don't, we don't want to rest because we might have to contend with maybe suffering that we've, that's already incurred in our life and we don't want to dredge it up. And um, we don't want to, you know, it's the, the man that Jesus says, do you want to get well? Um, you know, because we have a choice whether we participate in our own healing or not. Yeah. And what I have found, Danielle, is that I have only been able to rest body, mind, soul, and spirit when I have let go of the hard parts of my story and allowed God to come in and heal them um, as only he can. And that has taken work. That has taken time. It has not been fast. Um, 
but it's also work that I would not trade for the rest that I have found. And, you know, you mentioned at the beginning um, this passage in Isaiah and I, this is, I love this passage and, um, you know, I think the idea of repentance sometimes, depending on what your background is, you know, you can kind of hear this person yelling, you know, like <laughs> Rip it in your mind, you know, and I recently just had this beautiful picture of, you know, if I have, if I'm in an intimate relationship and like the closest thing on earth that I can think of is my marriage. Yeah. So if I, you know, if my husband, Matt and I have, if there's a way that I have broken the intimacy somehow, you know, maybe I just used my words in not a great way, which, you know, happens, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, or like something like that. Like what I don't want to do is to continue to do the thing that breaks the intimacy. Like yeah. I don't want to keep, keep doing the same thing because it just causes more damage both to me and to him and to the relationship. And all repentance means is that I'm going to turn to the relationship and write it. Yeah. And I'm going to choose a different way. And I think so much of the time it's like we, I feel like a baseball bat with the word repentance mm-hmm. because of my, uh, you know, my upbringing. And it's like, you know, make this right. And yeah. I, I can't make it right, but, but I can turn yes. from what I am doing and choose to look back to God in relationship, uh, you know, that is rooted in love and ask him to help, to help heal it which every time he does, this is what he does. And I think that, um, you know, that, that trust in God to do it is, um, is also important. So I think all of our rest is actually grounded in do we believe that, that we are loved by God. And if we, if we don't believe that, why don't we believe that or what's keeping us from believing that? And because at the end of the day, that's really what we all long for. Is it not to be loved and, to be fully known and fully loved. Yes. This is what we're looking for. Yes. And I, so. um, and that's, I was going to kind of segue into what is the one thing that or the first step that you would offer, but I almost think you said it belief yeah. and faith that God is who he says mm-hmm. he is. Right. And that we are who he says we are. Yes. You know, and you, you talked about the, you know, how can this control and lack of rest can lead to addiction. And I think when we don't know, when we don't know that we're fully known and fully loved, then we have to numb that somehow, you know, it, because we were wired for it, God put it in us so we would find him, you know? And so when we haven't found it in him, then we have to find it somewhere, but every other thing will come up short. And so we have to numb the noise. We have to numb the pain. We have to numb the voices that say that we are unloved and unlovable. And, you know, there isn't anything that God would, can, we could ever do to clean ourselves up enough to become acceptable to God. Like there's just not, and God doesn't love us because we're cute and adorable. (laughs) That's just not that he loves us. I mean, first John says God is love. He loves us because he can't help it. It is who he is. And, you know, we are lovable because God bestows his love upon us. And I think if we know that, then we can let go of every other piece of striving because that's really what the inability to rest is, is striving. And we can, um, the NASB um, version of Psalm 4610 says that we could cease striving and know which that know, knowing is more of an intimate knowing. So an experience, like we can experience that God is God. Yeah. 
and we are not, you know. So I really think that's the root of letting go of those numbing mechanisms and all the ways that we try to fill our calendars and schedules or produce or perform, um, you know, looking, we're really just looking to see if somebody sees us and knows us and loves us. So, you know, my personality that I got to know the rules um, and I like to follow <laughs> rules I'm very orderly in my, in my thought process. And so God is not, we know that God is, is love, but he's also equal parts of judgment, right? Like Mm -hmm. he is the ultimate judge. And I want to go, I want to just touch base of consequences. So we've talked about, you know, Mm -hmm. all of the goodness that rest can provide us and things, but what do you see from your experience, personal and or Mm -hmm. professional of what some consequences of not leaning into rest? Like where, like, you know, a stair step, is there a, you know, what does that look like? Well, I do think that there are, it's kind of a, uh, like incremental consequence, I guess. I can't think of a better word than that, but okay. you know, it's not like you said stair step. I think it's kind of, it is kind of like that. It's not like, oh, I didn't rest. Bam. Like I'm going to be like laid out and you know, <laughs> there is, I mean, it's not like that. I think we get there gradually. Um, but I think for me, the con- personally, the consequences have been burnout. And that was over years and years and years and years of refusing to do it. And for uh, when I say refusing, it wasn't like God kept saying, you need to rest, you need to rest. I was so busy. I didn't even hear that. You know, like I didn't even see it. I just thought it wasn't for me. You know, I like surely everyone else. And I, I was fine with other people resting. I just couldn't do it myself. And it was because, again, I didn't know who I was. And I was trying to, I was trying to, really perform my way to, you know, a good status with God. Like, yeah. this is what I was trying to do and, you know, prove my worth. And, um, you know, that was just not, wasn't helpful. And so the way that I experience, um, you know, the consequence of not resting sometimes comes, it just comes in limitations in the bodily form. I think sometimes it comes in the form of anxiety um, for me, like if I have not taken space to be quiet or, you know, before God enough, my mind will race. And that's what I have to live with is the fear that comes with it. Um, you know, I think it can come in the form of ill health over the, over a period of time. You know, if we do not attend to that, I do think disease shows up, dis-ease shows up in our bodies. And, um, you know, that can definitely, be a consequence. Um, but I think the beautiful thing about it is that it can be restored. You know, God created our bodies, minds, souls, and spirits to be, to be restored. And, um, you know, there are so many, so many stories of burnout where people have had to cease everything in order to actually physically survive, yeah. uh, but that God has brought about restoration when they do that. So I think God's ways are proven and true and really are better. Yes. And so, I mean, we, we can keep not resting if we want, but why would we, it was interesting recently, somebody was like, well, why do you practice that? If we don't, we're not under the law anymore. We don't have to do that. And I was like, of course we don't have to, but why wouldn't you want to? We get like, to. We get to, like, why wouldn't you want to do this? Yeah. I mean, it is, and after experiencing it and, you know, granted the first time it's hard it is hard to start to just go like, and if you can't do a whole day, like just do a morning, like block out a whole morning every week where you are not going to do anything. Yep. And, and I don't mean like where you're just going to lay around in your pajamas and, you know, 
again, binge watch Netflix or yep. eat a bag of chips. Like this yep. isn't restorative rest, right? <laughs> so the nourishing kind um, yep. of rest. And there is, and there is a place for cleaning out the drawer that has brought continual stress <laughs> every time yep. you walk by it or see it, you know, and that happens on the other six days because yes. you work on the other yep. six days. But you work from a place of knowing who you are and having rested in God and received his love. And that compels us forward. And I think something else, so you, you know, talked practically about, you know, if you can't do a whole day, start with a half a day or just your morning one day or something, something that you taught me years ago by your example, but also with your sharing of knowledge is that, you know, I need to take time away from my roles. I need yes. to literally like physically be gone. And, you know, you gave me an example way back when of simply if I had no money to simply go to the library and stay at the library mm-hmm. for, you know, the day or a half a day or something just to be one with God. And there's obviously it's quiet yeah. here. There's no interruptions. Um, something I have been doing as of late is just going somewhere once or twice a year alone or with my cousin and doing a getaway where I can mm-hmm. just not be mom. I cannot be a wife to be a daughter of my God. And I usually myself personally find that kind of restorative space out in nature. And because there's something when you are surrounded by nature that you remember and that I remember that there, that I'm just a little Mm -hmm. like measly little thing on this earth and that the world is so much bigger that God is even bigger than that. And that I don't have to do it all. I don't have to have control over anything, but my obedience and surrender to God. And so I think that, you know, that ability to start prioritizing, that's another thing that I talk about a lot with my clients and with others is that, you know, what really is a non-negotiable priority to you? Why is it not on your calendar if that is the case? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think even if you can't do anything else, just getting in nature restores the order of creation. Yes. Because you, it's so much, like you said, it's so much grander than us. And it reminds us that we too are created. Yes. And, um, you know, that there is a part of that we are like, I do not, I do not give myself breath. God gives me breath. Yes. You know, I don't make my heart beat. It happens because God enables it to. You know, there is a system and an order in creation that reminds us that there is a creator. Yep. And, um, and I think too, I mean, you mentioned, I think there are rhythms of rest. So finding what works and starting small, yes. you know, again, start like there are daily rhythms for me. That is my morning solitude time with God where no one else is invited into this, <laughs> you know, yep. like this is God and I alone. And if you only have 10 minutes, it, that's good. God can do like he has multiplied loaves and fishes, so he can yes. multiply our time. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, I mean, so if even if you only have 10 minutes, that's God can do something in it to restore us. And so daily rhythms, weekly rhythms, monthly rhythms, quarterly rhythms, yearly rhythms. I mean, these are things that we can grow into. And I, I know for me, because I hold a lot of people's stories, I listen a lot. I'm also a wife and a mom. And, you know, when you have more on your plate, you actually have to make more room, more room to rest because you can't hold all of that. And so I have to have, have the same kind of, like you're talking about those, those sort of getaways. And they're not, for me, they're not like they're retreats. They're spaces where I go away to rest and be with God. 
And so, um, you know, I'm going to be restored and to rest and sleep and listen to God and be reminded of, of what it is we're actually doing here yes. and, um, you know, and who's in charge of all of it. And that has been, those practices have been so important for me and our spaces of rest. And I would say too, like, start with your sleep. And I know if you're it, like, I'm sure you have people listening who are moms of young kids, you know, who's sleep gets disrupted a lot, Um, you know, but to find the spaces where you can actually, there's so many studies on sleep and the body and how, um, how restorative sleep can be. Um, And so just making sure that you start small, if you, if wherever you can, wherever you are, just do the next thing that is restful. Yep. The next best thing that's restful you can fit in. Yes, absolutely. I just want to thank you, first of all, for your time today. I just want to thank you for sharing your knowledge and thank you for being such a great friend. Like you are just one of my (laughs) people and I, having moved to Ohio, I dearly miss, I dearly miss you guys. But I just thank you so much for your time and your knowledge and and, um, just sharing that with us. Can you give us ways that if people want to contact you for um, either speaking engagements or your awesome Bible studies that they could get a hold of you for that. Yes, you can go to my website, which is just lauradingman.com. Um, and there's a contact button on there that will send stuff to my email as well. That's probably the easiest place. Um, well, thank you again so much. And I greatly appreciate your time today. Yeah, thanks, Danielle. Did you know you can buy me a coffee as a way to say thank you for this content? You can click on the show notes or go to buymeacoffee.com slash C-I-M-C. five-star rating, and I'd really appreciate any positive reviews.